And if you would, bear with me a little bit this morning. I'm still getting over the bronchitis I had last week. And uh, I feel much better, but my throat is still not wanting to cooperate with my voice. So uh, if you would, bear with me this morning just a little bit. But for many of us, you say, thank God, Christmas is over. The chaos has come to an end. And uh, the long anticipation of opening presents, at least that, you know, that week before Christmas, where it seems like eternity for most kids, is over. And it's passed. And the mess has been cleaned. The process of taking down ornaments and decorations is beginning to uh, become a reality. Thoughts and ideas of the next holiday are already on the horizon. What are we going to do for New Year's? And uh, living for the next thing. But now what? The story of the birth of Jesus has been told, sung about, recited, again and again, shared for this year's Christmas season. Now what? What should be an appropriate response to the greatest event that has ever taken place on this earth? How should we respond to this good news that has affected so many of us? If you would, follow along as I read from the text this morning in Luke chapter 2. I want to read verses 17 through 20. It says, After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we come before You this morning, as we continue in this aspect of our worship this morning, I pray, God, that You would speak to our hearts. And that we would, as we read in this text, Lord, have an appropriate response to the greatest event that has ever come upon this earth. I ask, God, that this event that changed so many of our lives would not become old news, would not become something of the past, that it would never, ever become insignificant, but that it would continue to ring true and loud in our lives. And I ask God that you would help us this morning to be reminded of those things that maybe we've once heard and have forgotten or or at least not been, been practicing of late. And God, for any who will be here this morning, Lord, that does not know you as their Savior, might today be the salvation for the day of salvation for them, Lord. I ask God that you speak to our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the question that comes through once again, what should be an appropriate response to the greatest event that has ever happened on the face of this earth? How should we respond to the good news that has affected so many of us? Well, as I read in this text, I find at least three responses that I think are appropriate. Three responses that ought to be a part of our lives as we go forward from this Christmas season. And really, not just this Christmas season, but through every day of our life. Things that should go on and live on daily as as a child of God, as a believer. And the first one is found in verse 19. So if you would, once again, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart, and meditating on them. First of all, it should be a response of treasuring, a, a response of reflection. Uh, there's two key words there in this verse I want to highlight this morning. 
And the first word is the word treasuring, and the second word is the word meditating. And it's really interesting, as I said, I was excited as God just opened up some things to me this week in the area of studying this. But in the Greek language, it really has some rich truths here. And the first one is this, and the word treasuring really has two considerations here. And the first thing is the word preserved, something to never be lost. As she treasured it, it was something never to be lost. She never, it was something that was never to be lost sight of. It was something, secondly, preserved in the sense of something never to be forgotten. So as she treasured these things in her mind and in her heart, it was never to be lost, it was never to be forgotten. So in other words, it just wasn't like last year's Super Bowl, where everyone was excited, but then a couple of, a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, a couple of years later, we can't even remember who it was or who was the star of the of the game or who was the you know key players in the event. It's not like there's something. It's not information lost. It's not information forgotten because it has so changed her life in the sense that it was always be at the forefront of her mind. So in this idea of treasuring, it means to be preserved in something that is never to be lost and preserved in the aspect of something never to be forgotten. These things that had just taken place. And then it goes on and talks about this idea of meditating or pondered these things. See, she treasured them in her heart and meditated or pondered on these things. And there's two thoughts there as well in the Greek language. In other words, and you might think this is a little bit crazy, but the idea behind pondering here is the idea of conversing with oneself. To have the conversation with yourself. You say, well, that's normal. I do that all the time. Someone says, it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't answer yourself. Well, um, this idea here is the idea of having a conversation with yourself. I'm meditating. I'm thinking about it. I'm hashing it out. I'm asking myself, what really took place here? What happened? What were the events that, that led up to this? And what, what happened after the event took place? And, and this conversation is taking place with yourself, and she's meditating on it. So it's conversing with oneself and one's own mind. And then secondly, it's the idea of convincing yourself that these events that just happened, these events that I experienced actually took place and were never to be lost and were never to forget it. I thought that was so awesome. But here's an idea here, another thing that God just brought out in this text here, the idea in the Greek language that the word treasuring is an imperfect active indicative. You say, well, that doesn't mean anything to any of us. Well, that's good, so let me explain it. An active indicative is an idea that is something that is happening and continues to happening with no end. In other words, this event that took place that she's having a conversation with in her mind, that she's convincing herself that is really here and happening and has taken place and is never to be lost and never to be forgotten is something that is always going to be at the forefront of my mind for as long as I live. Is that not awesome? The awe of what took place is never diminished in her life. That God would reach out of heaven down to earth and choose me, she's thinking, to bear the child of God. Is that not incredible? And how does that impact you and I? Well, I think there's a couple applications here. Number one, we need to ask ourselves, what is it that should never be lost? What should I never forget? What is the message that should be playing and replaying in my mind and then convincing me of? 
Well, if you're a child of God, it's the gospel message that has come into your life. The fact that God reached out of heaven and and touched your heart and your life and convinced you of your need of salvation and actually performs that work that you cannot perform yourself in your own life. This event, this experience, if you know Jesus Christ, if He is your Savior, it's something never to be lost, something never to be forgotten, something that we should be convincing ourselves of as we converse this thing over and over in our mind. It's always there, and it's a thought process that never stops. See, all that in one verse, yes. And it's something that we need to apply to our own lives. If we have the Gospel, if we truly know Jesus Christ is our Savior, it ought to never stop. The awe, the inspiring moment that Jesus Christ saved our soul and snatched us from the pit of hell and placed us on a road map to heaven. That is awesome. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. You say, well, I've sinned before, I haven't died. No, but it's the idea of a spiritual death where we are eternally separated from God. And they says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's an incredible gift. And then he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, says Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. So this thing that has changed our life We're not to be ashamed of it. You say, well, I'm not ashamed of it. If we're not ashamed of it, what are we doing with it? If we're not ashamed of it, are we sharing it? If we're not ashamed of it, are we talking boldly about it? If we're not ashamed of it, are we we exclaiming what this, this incredible experience that God has allowed me to have, am I sharing it with others? Because it is that awesome. I'm not ashamed of this. I want to read this other verse. It's a familiar verse. You've heard it before numerous times, I'm sure. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, I love how it's portrayed in the Holman Christian. He says, But as it is written, what I did not see and what ear did not hear and what never entered the human mind, God prepared for those who love Him. In other words, it's uncomprehendable what God has done in the life. You can't see it in your mind. You can't hear it with your ears. You can't comprehend how incredible it is. And that's what God did. And as Mary treasured these things in her heart and meditated upon them, she came to this awesome conclusion. I can't ever forget this. I can't get over the awe of what God has done. I can't get beyond the excitement that God chose me. And I'm afraid that so many of us as believers, this has become yesterday's news. Let's be honest. It's kind of like the day after Christmas. The excitement of opening the gifts, well, that was yesterday. It's kind of an anticlimactic time. And you remember it as parents. And you, you thought through what would be the perfect gift for your this child and the perfect gift for that child. And, 
And it's amazing, as they're little, it's like they found more pleasure in the box and the wrapper than they did the actual toy that it came in. And you think, something's kind of not quite right with this, but that's okay, that's Christmas. And it's kind of what happens in Christianity. We were excited when it happened, it changed our life for a moment, but that was yesterday. That was five years ago. That was 15 years ago. And we have forgotten the awe that God. And He's the only one that could have done it. Reached out of heaven and chose to save my life. I hope you never forget the awe of that. The incredible experience that that God does in our lives. So there's a response of treasuring or a response of reflection. And it's a continual, repetitive motion that never ceases. Secondly, there's a response of glorifying and praising God. We see this in verse 20 in our text. In Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 verse 20 says this. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard just as it had been told. Once again, the words glorifying and praising, first of all, the word glorifying means to magnify or celebrate the news. They magnified it. I know most of us in this room have a favorite team, quote-unquote. For years, my favorite basketball team was the Razorbacks. And uh, because I love the Razorbacks, I had my first office was filled full of Razorback stuff. I mean, I had an Uncle Heavy's hog hat. That's still down there in my office. You know, check that out. It's pretty cool. But I had this poster of all the other colleges, you know, that had all been sent to their grave. The Arkansas Razorback was above them all. And, you know, I, what did I do? I highlighted the team that I appreciated. And because they were a team that I thought were awesome, I knew who the players were. I knew... Who was the, you know, the stars of the teams in those days? I highlighted them. You know, the Vikings. I got a Viking hat that I, that I thought was really cool. And Viking baseball caps. Well, I highlight, I magnify what's important to me. And for you, it might be the Steelers, bless your heart. Um, or some other team that, you know, has been forgotten in history. But, just kidding. But we magnify what's important to us, don't we? We magnify our houses are decorated with what's important to us. That's how our minds work. If it means something to us, we magnify it. And as the shepherds observed what took place in Bethlehem that night, and remember, this was not, oh, wait a minute, there's a star over there. They followed the star. They put their heart into it. They put their energy into it. They put their life behind following the star and, and, and getting to the place of the birth of the Christ child. It was work. It wasn't just like, oh, well, turn on CNN and see what took place next. They put their life into it. The experience, the energy, the time to follow the Christ child and to see what would take place. And once they were there and they observed, it actually happened. They had to go magnify it and celebrate the news that the Christ child was born. It's amazing to me. And then 
behind glorifying it is also the idea of rendering it excellent. Rendering it excellent. What's the it? The good news. They rendered it excellent. And once again, here's another one of those Greek background things. Present active participle. In other words, it's an ongoing thing that's happening now and will continue to happen and will continue to happen and so forth. It doesn't stop. We see several examples of how this word is used in Scripture. In fact, if you go towards the end of the book of Luke, Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19 and verse 37, says, Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to, hear it is, praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. They praised Him. In other words, it was rendered excellent. What took place was an ongoing event. They, they exclaimed it. They shouted it. It was real to them. In Acts chapter 3, we see a couple examples of it here as well of this exact same word. Acts chapter 3, verse 8 is the first one. And here's a man who was just healed. And now think about this for a minute. In some of the topics of your Bibles, it may say, lame man healed, or however the topic is addressed in your Bible. It's this idea of something miraculous took place. There's a healing that took place. And down verse 8 says, So he jumped up, stood and started to walk, and he entered the temple complex with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. Why was he praising God? Well, the whole idea behind praising and glorifying is to magnify or celebrate the good news. What was, this, what was celebrated? What was magnified? The fact that Jesus had just healed him. And he could do nothing but praise God as a result of it. He was praising, it was magnifying this news that he had just experienced. And then it goes on to verse 9. It says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. It was something that took place because they couldn't deny it. Once again, I ask myself this question. Do we have an attitude of ongoing praise and glorifying of God in our lives because of what he has done for us? Think in your minds just for a moment, where would you be outside of Christ? We've heard the phrase, maybe heard the illustration, exemplified numerous times in our life. How do they get through life without Christ? Someone passes away, how do they handle it without Christ? Someone's going through a terrible disease or sickness and illness, how do they deal with it without Christ? Someone experiences great loss, how do they deal with it apart from Christ? Most of us have had to deal with that because we do have Christ. Christ has made all the difference in our lives. How do you get through a cancer? How do you get through a sickness? How do you get through the death of a loved one? How do you get through a loss of a job? How do you get through, you fill in the blank, without Christ? See, when Jesus Christ enters our life, He changes everything. The fact that He lives within us changes everything. But I wonder once again, 
Is that yesterday's news or is that still today's news? You watch the news. This just in. It's what's most important for the moment. You need to know this. But see, this is the this just in moment that should be daily. That Christ is alive and working in my life. Isn't that awesome? Seriously, isn't that not awesome? That Christ is alive in us? His Holy Spirit indwells us? And it's not yesterday's news only. It's everyday news. And we have reason to glorify because every day God is doing something. This was a great reminder to me. I needed this message for me because I know that daily things change. Right? I mean, things happen that we don't expect. Things happen we don't plan for. Things happen that we would never choose. And the question I have to ask myself, is God still indwelling me? Is this Spirit still with me? Answer? Yes. Am I still going to heaven? Yes. And the circumstances don't change the outcome. God's still in control. And I need that reminder. And I still have reason to rejoice. I still have reason to praise God and bring glory to Him because He knew it would happen. He knew it would take place. I've said humorously numerous times over the years, God did not wake up this morning and scratch His head and say, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. God knows. And if He knows, He's in control. And I need that reminder that God is still at work. And so my, re- my reaction ought to be to continue to glorify God and praise Him, to magnify His name because He's still on the throne. He hasn't taken a break. He hasn't walked out of the room for a minute. He hasn't relinquished the microphone. He's still there. But I think there's also a third response that we can look at. And we find this one in verses 17 and 18. I'm working backwards just a little bit if you haven't figured that out. Verses 17 and 18. It says, After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So there is, first of all, a response of treasuring or reflecting on what God has done. Then there is a response of praising God and glorifying Him because of what He has done. Then thirdly, there is a response of proclaiming or giving testimony of what He has done. And this one, once again, is interesting too in the Greek language. It's an aorist active indicative. The word proclaiming is. In other words, there is a distinct point that this activity began. You know what the distinct point was in this situation? When Christ was born. From that moment on began a situation of ongoing proclaiming of the gospel and its effect of past, present, and future. This proclaiming never stops. But it starts at a point, a distinct starting point in our lives. You know what that is for you and I? The moment Christ enters our life. That's the starting point. And it continues to go on and on and on because it's active. So it's an air active. It, it starts at its distinct point, at the point that Christ comes into our life, and then it continues to go on until Christ will come again one day. 
That's when the proclaiming stops. And then I think the concentration is going to be not so much proclaiming because we're going to be there. It's going to be on worshiping. So it's an explanation. In other words, this proclaiming means to publish the news. And it means to make known thoroughly. To publish the news and to make it known thoroughly. Question. Just for your own brain to think about. When's the last time we proclaimed the news of what Christ has done in our life? When's the last time we looked for an opportunity to proclaim what Jesus Christ is doing in our life? It's not just for Christians who are way out there. Those holy rollers who can't talk about anything else. It's not just an opportunity to make a statement on Facebook so everybody will kind of indiscreetly know that I'm a follower of Christ. I'm talking about making it known thoroughly. I am a child of God, and I'm excited about that. I'm not talking about going out and go go wacko weird on you. I'm talking about just living it out daily. Saying, I'm not ashamed of it. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, the Scripture says, Romans 1.16. When's the last time I've published that kind of news of what Jesus Christ is doing in my life? Once again, I'll preach to the choir. Because it's really easy for every one of us to get comfortable. Am I right? Right. It's all of us. We go about our daily daily doings and we just kind of get this done and that done and do this and do that and go here and go there. We have our checklist of life. We just do what it is we do every day because that's what we do. But how often do we make it in our intent to publish the news and to make it known thoroughly, I'm a child of God and He can change your life like He did mine. Live that out. As I look about this idea of proclaiming that it is a distinct starting point and it's supposed to be an ongoing thing that never stops. I wonder, has the fact that Jesus saved the you and me become old news? Has the message of the gospel faded into yesteryear? Oh, I haven't lost it. Because I believe in eternal security, bless God. I'm eternally secure. I'm on my way to heaven. Thank God. Can't lose it. But I wonder if the excitement of it, the awe of what Jesus Christ came to this earth and accomplished, both for you and for me and for all those who believed, I wonder if it has become yesterday's news. What should be an appropriate response to what Jesus Christ has done? Well, to Mary, she treasured him, treasured this circumstances, this experience, this this work that Jesus Christ had done in her life, and allowing to be the mother of the Christ child. She treasured and meditated, pondered on that. To the shepherds, they glorified God and praised him and proclaimed the message. So in conclusion, just four questions. Number one, 
like Mary, are you still treasuring, pondering the things God has done for you? Are you still thinking about it? Are you still in awe of it? Are you still excited about what Jesus Christ has saved you from and what he's given you as a result of having that relationship with him? I hope you're still excited about that. We get to have the hope of heaven as his children. I don't have to fret hell. I don't have to fret dying. There's no fear in death because it says perfect love casts out fear. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 at the end of the chapter, verses 56 through 58, that death wears the sting. It's gone. I have no death wish. I don't, I don't long to die. But I know this, that when I do, heaven is my home. And that love of Christ casts out fear. I don't fear that. That ought to give us a reason to rejoice that we have something to live for in this life. So like Mary, are we still treasuring, pondering the things that God has done for us? Number two, like Mary, are we still convincing ourselves? Are we still conversing with ourselves over the things that God has done and excited about it? Are we still excited about it? I can remember seeing different people come to know the Lord and how God just so miraculously changed their life and they're so excited about it. You know, in most churches, you know who the most excited people are? Those who just come to Christ because they have this real present understanding of what their life would be had they not trusted Christ. Folks, let me just ask you this question. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't have a relationship with him, and heaven's not your home, what is? We don't even like to say the word, do we? We don't like to say the word. It's just a nasty word. We don't even want to say it. But it's the reality of a life apart from Christ. It's not a figment of someone's imagination. It's not a really bad joke. It's reality. And it's the reality of, for someone who does not know Jesus Christ. And we have the answer. It's Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him. Number three, do you still magnify and celebrate the effect of God's good news in your life? And number four, like the shepherds, do we publish, make thoroughly known what it is that God has done for us? I think those are appropriate responses that we learn from the text. Treasuring and pondering glorifying and praising and proclaiming and giving testimony of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done in our life. I think all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, need to heighten those three things in our lives. If indeed it has happened to you, you have the starting point to begin praising God for the rest of your life. And it's news that never is diminished. It stays true and fresh and present. And if it's not there, maybe we need to pray, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Say, God, give me a fervor, give me an excitement, give me a joy, a fresh and a new for what you've done for me. But don't let it become yesterday's news. This is the message that went out and from a handful of people changed the world. Do you realize that when this message was broadcast, there was no internet? There was no cable, you know, satellite TV? Think about that. I know it's humorous, but think about it. 
that message went out without the help of internet, without satellite TV, without you know broadcast signals around the globe. How did that happen? People like you and me talking. That's it. A handful of people whose lives were changed. But there's also another truth. You can't give away what you don't have. You can't share what has not happened to you. But if it has, we ought to be excited about it. I trust you are. Let's pray.